Louise McSharry on 2FM. Over the last few years, you might have heard about deep faking. We often hear about deep fakes in relation to misinformation and fake news, but it's also a process used in film and television. Elaine Burke, editor of Silicon Republic, is here to explain what deep fakes are and how they're really used. Hello, Elaine. Hi. So I'm really glad you're here because I'm actually, I said in the intro we often hear, but like I actually, I don't know where I've been. I'm aware of the, of these things, but I wasn't even aware of the term deep fakes. So for people like me, can you give us like a baseline explanation? Where did where did these come from? Yeah, I suppose the term itself is more used in the scary context of yeah. it. But I think a lot of us would actually be familiar with the style of technology because like a lot of AI, it's actually already in our lives a lot because artificial intelligence is used for things like chatbots and all sorts of simulations uh, that we experience online. And if you've used things like uh, there's a filter on TikTok that kind of animates uh, faces from photographs. Yeah. It's a very similar concept to that in that you could um, kind of transplant someone else's expressions and someone else's uh, facial uh, movements onto someone else's kind of look. So right. essentially a really famous example is Bill Hader is doing impressions on a late night talk show. And as he does the impressions, you see his face change to Seth Rogen and Tom Cruise and his face is shifting to match the people he's doing impersonations of. Yeah. Um, and what that has done is a machine learning uh, algorithm has looked at loads and loads and loads of pictures of Seth Rogen and of Tom Cruise from different angles and in different lighting and stuff like that so that it can map an image of Tom Cruise onto every little movement that Bill Hader is actually doing. So it looks then like it's Seth Rogen speaking or Tom Cruise speaking when the underlaying it's kind of like Bill Hader's wearing a very very effective mask. It's kind of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, the living photographs. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Very much like that. Um, which kind of freaks me out a little bit, even though I know it's just technology, but like it's also kind of spooky that you could be completely, you know, watching something that isn't real at all. Although, sure, yeah. I mean, that's animation, but like, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but it does have that Uncanny Valley effect. So Uncanny Valley would be a common enough term, especially in work, people who work in high tech. Mm. And it's just this, um, if you were to graph people's comfort with technology, it will bottom out at a point where something becomes a little too looking like real but also not Yeah, and it's when you see robotics that look too like people but you can tell that they're not people that's really creepy for people so you get that uncanny effect and deep fakes cause that as well when they're not to a very high standard you'll see what looks like uh, Seth Rogen or Tom Cruise speaking but you'll know it's not them and it will just give you a slight unsettling feeling because well, you know something's off because it's their evil twin <laughs> yeah exactly I mean it could be maybe Tom Cruise is the evil twin though. well that's actually a fair point <laughs> Um, so okay so that's what they are um, but then you said there at the start deep fakes like as a term is kind of used when when it, in the kind of scary context so what is the scary context so if you can imagine uh, if, if someone can make uh, a very famous or notable face uh, do what they wanted to do that can be used uh, in, as political disinformation or misinformation so uh, Jordan Peele the director of Get Out did a great example of this himself he does an Obama impression and it works really well because you're kind of just wearing a mask of the person and it works best when the person actually playing the deep fake can do a good impression. Right. And Jordan Peele does an Obama impression and someone deep faked Obama's face over it. Mm. And that was quite effective in showing that he could make it look like Obama was saying things that Obama would never say. And that right. was kind of showing how it could be used politically. Right. Um, and the deep, deep, 
deep Tom Cruise example, which turned up on TikTok and people thought Tom Cruise maybe had joined TikTok. That was actually a Tom Cruise impersonator and a VFX specialist worked together to make that. So he had all of Tom's mannerisms. He kind of had the look of him anyway yeah. and got had his voice down really well. So it works best when you've got that kind of combination. Okay, I feel like Darren Garhi could actually like make a oh killing in the well, deep fix world. Well, this is the thing because Peter Serafinowicz does a web series that's all him doing impressions and deep faked p- p- people over him. So he does like Michael Caine, who everyone does an impression of. And it looks like Michael Caine is, yeah. is, is speaking then. So there's actually like a whole like comedy element to it that can be really effective. What's the legality around that though? Like, I mean, is it okay to, when it's so accurate? Because obviously, you know, you see cartoons, say, with caricatures of people, you know, like we've seen t- satire and TV series over the years where people are kind of taking off someone. Mm-hmm. But if it's your actual face, and it could potentially be confused for really being you. I mean, are there like legal challenges around that? So officially, I don't think there's any legal documentation that addresses deepfake technology because it's so, so newly new. this advanced. Mm. Like it's very recent that it's become this good that you can hardly tell that it's a fake. Mm. Um, so as per usual, the law is behind the technology, which is really unfortunate. There is lots of legislation going on around AI. And also even in Ireland, we have laws against um, non-consensual use of images, intimate images. So that's something that we're protected against here uh, legally. But that's even not very common. That was a landmark law brought into Irish law in Only February last year, this year. Yeah. Yeah. This year, God, oh, yeah. maybe it was last year. Well, no, no, you're probably right. Um, but it's it's very recent anyway because we we talked about it on the show. Mm. Um, so it's interesting that you mentioned that because I know that this is this technology is often used in pornography, isn't it? Yeah. So one study uh, found that of all the deepfakes that they detected online, so it's not saying all deepfakes, just all the deepfakes that they could find, about ninety six or something percent of them were pornographic, and that becomes a real cause for concern. So we talked about the legality of uh, people's image being used, and. Famous people's images are very easy to create deepfakes of because so much imagery and video about them exists. Is available, yeah. Yeah, and it's already there. So you can feed that into the uh, old... artificial intelligence and get it to learn what that person looks like in every different scenario but for the average person it would be really hard to find enough material to do that sure. um, but we do now live in a, in a lifestyle where we're used to kind of sharing constant pictures and videos of ourselves on social media mm. so that does make that there's more of this stuff available but you can still make pretty dodgy looking deep fakes with just a few photos and videos footage of someone um, and I think when it comes to pornographic material people would be pretty upset even if it didn't look very convincing as something was real yeah. like it would feel like a violation for yeah. Yeah. for sure and unfortunately that is something that happens and you don't even have to be a celebrity for it to happen to you yeah yeah I can't I can only imagine how troubling that would be and especially because you you potentially wouldn't know so like you know how would you find out that there was a say on Pornhub or whatever any other porn website and mm. um, that there was a video kind of of someone who looks like you and that people believe is you you'd only find out if someone saw it and told you exactly and that person would have to admit that they had been looking at it so yeah. like they probably wouldn't tell you. <laughs> how, d- how did you find this? Yeah. So there could potentially be a video of me. And some of these would be on like the dark spaces of the web. I'm not saying on the dark web or anything like that, but the likes of Pornhub, the most popular por- pornography site, I'd say, uh, they've banned deepfakes. Now okay. they haven't been that effective at uh, enforcing that. It must be hard. But the majority of the deepfakes aren't turned up on Pornhub. They're on sites that are dedicated to making deepfakes and they're just like getting away with this because that's what they've set themselves up for. And how easy is it to do? Like could a teenager be doing it in their bedroom? Well, they would kind of, they would basically 
actually be, um, they wouldn't have to build algorithms from scratch to do this. Uh, there's people who build the technology and maybe share it for other people to use it or you can buy the software to use it. So you don't have to be an expert in artificial intelligence to be able to do this. You just need to build on the work that someone else has done. The same yeah. way we all use a lot of technology. We yeah, just yeah, use yeah. what other people have coded all the time. So yeah, it, like speaking frankly, you anybody could do this yeah. potentially. Well, you can really see how that could go wrong. Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking about, you know, we hear horror stories all the time. We've talked about it so often on the show about kind of image-based abuse and the sharing of images, the sharing of nudes. Like, you know, you can think about someone in school. Uh, there could be a video going around that isn't even them. Yeah. Okay. But it is being used in, that technology is being used in a positive way as well. So tell me about that. Yeah. So there's, there's like the, the media industry has kind of cottoned on to this. And there was a really interesting story recently where a kind of famous deep faker uh, called, goes by the name of Shamook online. Um, he's been hired by Lucasfilm now to work in their VFX department um, because of his skills at deep faking. And what's so funny about it is he, he has actually made a name for himself online improving upon work that Lucasfilm has put out there. So Lucasfilm okay. did the de-aging technology in The Irishman. You know, yeah. Robert De Niro was meant to look much younger. And this guy, Shamook, took that footage and he spent the hours reframing and fixing it up and making it look a bit more realistic. And he deep faked the de-aging, essentially. Wow. And Lucasfilm saw this and then they saw some other works that he'd done. He even did stuff for The Mandalorian. And they thought, oh, uh, maybe we need this guy on our team. And the guy who did deep fake Tom Cruise, he works in VFX as well. So the people who are doing the best stuff actually work in visual effects in the media. Yeah. Um, and it is like, it takes a lot of work. Um, the deepfake Tom Cruise's are TikToks. They're like, what, 15 seconds long or something. But yeah. they took weeks, I'd say, right. of work to, to get them just right. And even Chris Hume, who made them, he says he can still see errors in them. Now, the, your naked eye, my naked eye would not spot yeah. these errors, I don't think. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, a good move by Lucasfilm. But, but you can see that you might be annoyed if someone's on the internet saying, you know, I can do this better than you. You can see that some companies might not take it as well as Lucasfilm. That's impressive. Um, so if for me and your average person out there who's learning about defects, maybe not for the first time, but like, you know, familiarizing themselves, how can we spot a deep fake? Like, how can you not get caught out by one? So the unfortunate thing is that they're getting so advanced that even by the time we have advice on how to, to detect them, the new software has figured out how to get around that detection. Oh, so good. That's cool. Um, <laughs> now, there, there, there are um, similarly like well-equipped AIs that are made to detect deepfakes. So like Microsoft has built AIs to detect them. I think Facebook has as well. But again, they're all struggling to keep up with the advancement of the technology. It's a bit of a cat and mouse game on the technology side. But as a user, um, like a dodgy deepfake, you'll get that uncanny sensation. You'll just know that something's not right. Mm. But the really high quality ones, like if I showed you some of Shamook's video and you didn't know that anything was deepfake like if you weren't looking for any errors you're probably not going to spot them and yeah. um, but the tells are often around the eyes and um, so sometimes the deepfake doesn't blink quite just enough for a human being to normally okay. blink and um, sometimes the reflections in their eyes their eyes just don't look real in a way they do mm. look kind of digitized now this can be really hard when you're looking on a mobile phone screen at some dodgy video yeah. um, and the hair often doesn't move quite right so you'll often see again when you've got impressionists doing deepfakes they'll use their own hair and it's really just the mapping on the face that they're right. doing because hair even animators will say this hair is really really difficult to yeah. get right as a fake. Yeah. 
So I suppose we probably don't need to worry about it too much right now because if it takes so long and it takes so much work, then it you know it's gonna be it's gonna be expensive to actually kind mm. of produce really good deep fakes. Would you be worried about it at all? Like you're, I'm, I'm not scared of technology, but like there is definitely that uncanny feeling. You're a lot more kind of well versed in the world of technology than I am. Do you, does it give you an uncanny feeling, or are you like, no, this is cool? I think it's it's scary to think that like you could be duped because I've definitely seen footage that's been faked before and been like fooled by it and I can see how some of the stuff that I'm showing it knowing that it's a deep fake but I can see how I would be fooled as well so it's kind of scary to see that you'd be manipulated in that way yeah Um, and it's fine if it's you know a bit of fantasy it's labeled as fake it's just VFX Um, but when it becomes things like someone that you care about or respect being made to say something that you'd be surprised that they hear that can feel like you've been manipulated in a way and then if it was my own image I'd be very very disconcerted about it and I think like I kind of would address that the same way I always kind of address things online like I would be quite tight on my privacy online and the images that I share and stuff like that but I kind of hate saying that because I don't want people to think that that they shouldn't behave the way they want to behave online because there's horrible people out there who might do bad things with their image I think that's really an unfair kind of position to be in Um, but unfortunately as I mentioned like there's not really a lot of protections in place just yet around this stuff hopefully in the near future if it became more prevalent we'd be on top of uh, putting protections in place for people yeah I was going to say that regulations and kind of restrictions and I I presume there'll be requirements for them to be labelled and stuff like that yeah and there's things like uh, platforms will say that they don't want deep fakes on the platform and they'll try to search for them and get rid of them like Facebook tries to do that and Microsoft as I said has released a deep fake detection tool of its own but I think what's really interesting to me is when we go back to that pornography story the fact that there are sites being set specifically to share these images that are possibly non-consensual that the people's images are being used without their consent you can't really get something I know the web is democratic and stuff like that but you can't really get something to a high level of audience on the web without working with third party providers and services that are going to host your material and give you the space online to put that out there so those hosting providers and all those kind of agencies that are allowing these websites to exist, they should have stricter controls over this kind yeah. of thing, I think. Yeah. And they should be trying to like get rid of that stuff off their platforms. I suppose it's a continuing conversation, isn't it, about ethics on the internet that exactly. you know, we're certainly not at the end of. <laughs> it's Exactly. It's that p- bigger question about society as well. Like, I mean, the fact that we live in a society where people think it's okay to do that with uh, pornographic images is a whole testament to the issues that we already know that we have Absolutely. around sex and the way people see uh, women in pornography and stuff like that and even like just very recently Richie Sadley are coming out and saying like we have young people just learning about sex from pornography and like that's not cool and this is all part of that debate yeah 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 I totally agree thank you so much Elaine Burke editor of Silicon Republic you I am now very well versed and I really appreciate the information Louise McSherry on 2FM